Uh, we're going to continue talking about how to make a difference. So if you have a Bible, turn to 1 Corinthians 12. If you don't have a Bible with you, uh, there should be one around you somewhere, or we'll put the passages up here on the screen. Uh, but we're going to be camping out in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, which is the classic you know, spiritual gifts chapter. All right, so we'll get there in a minute. But here's the one thing I I really want us to focus on this morning, okay? In many ways, real beauty and power is discovered in and through diversity. All right, let me say it again, because we're going to just kind of camp out around this whole idea. In many ways, real beauty and power is discovered, or in other ways, made possible in and through diversity. So, I mean, just a few examples, like a symphony. There's something about this orchestra coming together and creating something amazing, but I've never seen a symphony of of just trumpets. I've never really wanted to go to a symphony of just trumpets, to be honest. Um, I'm sure they're, they're phenomenal. If you are a part of a symphony made up of just trumpets, I am really sorry about this example. Um, but what makes an, a symphony amazing is that you have all these different pieces coming together. You have all these instruments. You have all these people. There's a, a incredible diversity that is united and unified and focused on one mission, and when you have all this diversity that is unified, it creates something that is incredibly beautiful. It's not possible apart from the diversity. It only gets there because of it. Sports teams are the same way. Football, soccer team, all these teams that you've probably been a part of, you know, everybody's got their role. They have their positions. They have what they're good at. They have what they're not so good at, and so they stay away from those things. Now, listen, when, when the team, and, and everybody's clear on what their role is, everybody's clear on what the mission is, when the diversity of positions, the diversity of the team members are unified behind this one vision, this mission of what they're aiming at, that's when you begin to see some incredible power take place. Many of you work in the business uh, um, every day and you've got teams. Some of you got teams that are a little dysfunctional. And so you see everybody's got their role, but we're not working together. And so you're like, wow, this is not beautiful, nor is it powerful. It is frustrating. Then you've got some teams, though, where you're clear about, I know my role. I know what I'm good at. I know what I'm called to. And when you see those teams, when you've got these different members, but they are all focused on one goal, they're united, all of a sudden you see something powerful, you see something significant take place. It's when you see these parts, these diverse parts, unified, that we see something truly beautiful and powerful. So for us, here's what that means. If you wanna make a difference, if you're here last week, you should know that we do. Every one of us is created with this desire to contribute and, and achieve some kind of significance, okay? That's in us, and that's okay. But if we're actually going to make a difference, you have to learn what makes you different. If we're going to make a difference, you have to individually figure out what makes you different. You can fill in that with any kind of word there. What makes you distinct? What makes you unique? A lot of you, your mama's told you, hey, listen, you're special. Turns out she was actually right. You know what I mean? 
And so you heard that all your life that I'm special, God's got something for me, you're unique, you're gifted, you've probably heard those things. If you haven't, listen to me right now. You are special, you are unique, you are, there's something about you that God, he, he spent time creating you the way that you are. He spent time molding you into the person that you are for the purpose of accomplishing an amazing mission. And so, if you want to make a difference, you have to understand and learn why you are different. You have to understand in this world of diversity, what role do I play and how do I unite to this mission? Paul understood this about the church. He understood that when the church works best, it's when diversity, you have different people, you have people from different races, different um, socioeconomic status, different gifting, different region. You've got this one church unified among its diversity, and it is unstoppable. Listen to me. 2,000 years, and the church is stronger than it's ever been. Why? Empires have fallen, and the church remains. Why? Because in diversity, we are unified and focused on a mission. That's when you see beauty. That's when you see power. And that's the picture of the church. And Paul, he's trying to figure out, how do I help people see this? How do I help people understand this? So he refers to the church. It's this family. You know, we're all adopted and we're a part of what God's doing and we get to be in his family is through his son, Jesus Christ. We have that open door into a relationship with him. He also talks about it as we are a body. Jesus is the head, and then you've got people who are different members. Some people are hands, some people are arms, some people are kneecaps, you know. We're, we're all different pieces of the body. He says, how ridiculous would it be to be a body made up of all the same thing, like a bunch of hands? That'd just be weird, you know? Or what, what right would a hand have to say to an eye, like, we don't need you? The body needs one another. It is the diversity that makes it beautiful and makes it powerful. And so he says, we've got to figure this out. If you want to make a difference, you have to learn what makes you different, what makes you unique. So in 1 Corinthians 12, he talks about this. So I'm going to pick up in verse 4. You should read the whole chapter. You should study it on your own, but I'm just going to pick up for, with a few verses here. Verse 4, it says, Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. So hear what he's saying. There's diversity, but it's unified by God. There's varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are varieties of service, but the same Lord. There are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. And verse seven is the one you need to pay attention to. You ready for this? Get ready. Here's what it says. To each, we'll explain who each is, to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Manifestation, that's a fun word. Everybody say manifestation. Manifestation. All right, you can do better, I believe, in you, okay? Everybody say manifestation. Manifestation. Nailed it. Okay, So it says, to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. So to each, who's he talking about? Every member in the body. 
Every single person who has decided to put their trust in Jesus, that's exactly who we're talking about. Now, if you're still trying to figure out who Jesus is and what following him looks like, you know, these things are what is to come. But for those of us who have made that decision to, let, to, to surrender to Jesus and put our trust in him, those of us who have believed in him that Jesus did die on a cross, he did rise from the grave, he did defeat death and sin, he did defeat these things. If you believe that and you have repented like I'm walking one way in my life and it's not working, I'm trying these things and it's one dead end after another. But through Jesus, I'm giving up that way of life and I'm moving in a different direction. Because he is Lord, he is Savior, I'm walking the path that he has for me. All right? So that's who the each are. They have put their trust in Jesus. They've repented, confessed, he's Lord, I'm not, he can save me, I can't. They've been baptized out of obedience because they're saying, I am marked by Christ I'm set apart by him to be a part of what he is doing. What is the next thing that happens? You ready for this? The promises, Jesus said, I need to go so that you would get something better. What was that thing that was better? That you would receive the gift of the Spirit. More than Jesus walking with you, you have the Spirit residing within you. You get to walk with God always. The greatest gift is him. And so when you put your trust in him, you receive the gift of the spirit. That means that every believer is given spiritual gifts. That means the spirit has given you something, and this is where it is kind of crazy, that manifests him for the common good. That means when people rub shoulders with you, they will see and experience God in some way. He has given you some way of when people rub shoulders with you, when they're walking with you, you are revealing how good God is. You're revealing what his character is like. You're revealing how powerful he is. You're revealing how compassionate he is. You're revealing his truth. You're revealing all of these things because the spirit is within you. And he said the best thing for our world is to fill the church with his spirit. To each is given the manifestation of the spirit for the common good. Best thing for our world is for them to encounter Christ through you. That's what he offers. That's what he's given to you. This is more than simply something that the Spirit enables you to do, right? I wish that I had the spiritual gift of dunking, but that's not how it works. I will never be able to dunk a 10-foot goal unless I get a ladder, but that's cheating. So it's just, it's not something that you do. This means that the Spirit is making himself known through the church. One step further, he's revealing himself to our world through you. When people see you, they're making assumptions about our God because that's what believers do. That's what Christians do. So if you want to make a difference, it's possible through him, Christ in us, and the Spirit working through us. So if you want to make a difference, you have to learn what makes you different. So we're going to do something really fun. We're going to take the word shape, and we're going to have a word for each letter. I know. Super exciting. 
Um, and if you've heard this before, fake it like you haven't. But we're going to walk through what is your shape? What makes you different? What makes you unique? What is your shape that God is using for his kingdom? All right, where do you fit as part of the body? So first off is spiritual gifts. So the S stands for spiritual gifts. Everybody say spiritual gifts. Great job. In Scripture, if you want to do some homework here, all right, which I would suggest you do, um, in the New Testament, there are four uh, main sections about spiritual gifts. Ephesians 4, 1 Peter 4, Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12. I think it's kind of crazy that it's the 4s and the 12s, and I don't know if there's anything significant about it. I just thought it would be kind of interesting. So if you want to follow up on these spiritual gifts, then look at those passages. But here's what I know. If you are a follower of Jesus, you've been given a spiritual gift. It's not like Jesus skipped some of us because they're like, I don't like you that much. Uh, Every one of us has been given a gift. That means every one of us has a specific purpose to play, a specific role to play for his kingdom because he wants people to interact with you and experience him through you. So some of you have been given the gift of encouragement and hospitality. That means when they rub shoulders with you, some reason, every time they walk away, they feel filled up by you because you're an encourager. You're pouring courage into them. That's what you do. You're hospitable, so you're caring for them. You're making this place feel safe for them, feel like home for them, because you've been given a gift. You can make places like our church feel like home for people, because that's the Spirit of God in you. Some of you are teachers. He said, the best thing you can do is teach people about the significance of God. And so you better start studying If you've been given the gift of the Spirit, you need to be in the Word. You need to be studying because He is going to use that in you to make a significant difference in our world. But you need to own it. You need to fit your shape and understand these are my spiritual gifts. This is how I'm going to use them as part of His kingdom. So S stands for spiritual gifts. H stands for heart. Everybody say heart. There you go. This is your passion. What are you passionate about? You know, it, what, what things do you hear about that make you mad? You know what I mean? I'm not like, not like when you're driving and someone cuts you off, makes you mad. That's not like, that's not what we're talking about. I'm talking about like when you hear about hungry kids in Bullock County, what does that do to your heart? Does that kind of make you mad? Does it get you fired up? When you hear about people taking advantage of single moms, what does that do to your heart? When you hear about certain things, what gets you fired up? Some of you are um, at GSU because you want to be teachers, because you're passionate about kids. You know that the best shot they might have, some of these kids, is a teacher who actually cares about them. So there's a lot of mess coming with that. But if you can change a student, that's where your heart's at. And this is what's cool. Um, God has given us this gift He has said, I'm going to share with you the things that break my heart. It's not the same for everybody, okay? But for some of us, he says, this is what makes me mad. And he's put that in some of you to make you fired up so that you will step into what he's called you to do. So you got to know, what is my spiritual gift? But what am I passionate about? And focus in those areas, Spend some time thinking through that. What, what gets me all fired up? A stands for ability. Everybody say ability. ability. 
excuse me, I, um, a few years ago, I was working on an old truck uh, because I wanted an old truck to go hunting with and stuff like that. Turns out, I'm a terrible uh, mechanic. Um, I even had a guy helping me, telling me every single step. He said, do this, now do this, now do this. Still couldn't do it well. I, I was messing that thing up like crazy because I just don't have that kind of brain. My brain doesn't wrap itself around those things. There are some guys, um, and I, I can find you in the room right now, who if I gave you something broke, you would bring it back to me tomorrow fixed and working better than it originally did. Just you've got that ability. And that's what's been so cool about in our church. I've had mechanics come to me and say, hey, man, if you know anybody who needs help, like if you, if you have a widow or a single mom or anybody who comes to you and they say, hey, I don't know what to do with my car. Can you help me? They've said, call me because I'm good. This is an ability I've been given and I'm wanting to use it for the kingdom. What are you good at? Naturally. Like you could step into a room and if they said, do this, you could do it because you're just naturally gifted in that way. So figure out what are your abilities. The P, it stands for personality. Everybody say personality. personality. This is kind of fun. This one's, this one's fun because you get to know yourself. So are you introverted or extroverted? Like when you walk into a room like this, some of you are like growing more and more exhausted every minute that goes by because you're introverted. This, this many faces is like draining you. Other people walk into this room like this and they're like, this is the best day of my life. You know what I mean? It's like people everywhere. That's how I am. I, I, it, the more people I see, the more I'm like, this is awesome. Um, but that's just my personality. So, so you have to understand, are you introverted or are you extroverted? Are you, uh, you task-oriented? Like, I want to just get in and knock it out. Are you people-oriented? Uh, you know, so figure out these things. A lot of times, um, I've, I've been a part of a, a church where the, the people who did not like people were the welcome team. And I'm like, you have missed your shape. You do not you're in the wrong spot, you know? Like the, the meanest guy in the church is at the front door greeting people. We're like, dude, we don't need you at the front door greeting people because they're assuming something about who God is. They're assuming something about who, what our church is like, and it's like you're, you're in the wrong fit. Listen, you have been given gifts. You have been given abilities. Your personality just does not work right there, you know, because you're, you're scaring people, and we like people. So calm down. Um, so what is your personality? What do you, what do you, how do you operate? What fills you up? What drains you? And, and lean into those areas. Lean into those directions. E stands for experience. Everybody say experience. Here's the reality that we need to embrace. God uses our experiences, the good and the bad, for his purposes. You've heard these passages before, but let me just remind you. I mean, he teaches us in Romans 8 that God works in all things for good, for the good of those who love him, who've been called according to his purpose. All things in the past that you're running from, he's working in that, and he's going to create good out of it somehow. In the good things that you've been given kind of at this point in your life and you figure out God has blessed you in so many ways, he's gonna use those things for his good. He's gonna find a way to use your experiences. And this is what I've noticed. A lot of times, God redeems our past 
by using us to restore someone in the future. So he redeems our brokenness in our past by using that very thing to restore or reach out to someone in the future. That's how he works. He takes our experiences and turns them and uses them for his glory. Uh, there are two friends of mine that I want to share or talk about real quick. And I've asked them if I can talk about them, so I'm not doing this behind their back or at this point in front of their face. Um, so two friends of mine who have just impressed me in, in crazy ways. Um, first is a man named Art. He's a brother in our church. He's a stud. If you know him, um, you know how awesome he is. He's one of these guys that you rub shoulders with him and it's just like that you feel like um, I'm taller, I'm stronger, I'm filled up. It's just he's got this gift of encouraging and building people up. But in 03, he was diagnosed uh, with MS. And so his body's been fighting himself for several years now. And when I got to meet him, it was a few years ago, probably four or five years ago, um, through Compassion, he came and um, at that point, he was still walking, but over the last several years, um, his, his body's just been fighting, and he's moved from a cane to a walker to a wheelchair. Um, and what's been amazing to me is watching someone go through that experience with almost every right to say, what in the world is happening? With every right to give up with every right to, to go into some dark places not to return. You know what I mean? That's what some of our experiences, and many of us have had experiences that are, have put us in some dark places. But he, I was talking with him the other day, and he just reminded me of some things. And so I want to share these with you because his words need to encourage you. Here's what he said. He said, listen, I learned that God won't give you more than you can handle. That's in the word of God. He teaches us that. He tells us that so that we'll remember, oh yeah, this is not, with God, all things are possible. This is not more than I can handle. But then he said, but God will allow you to experience certain things that will make you depend on him. He's not gonna give you something more than you can handle, but he will allow things to happen in your life where you have to depend on him. You have to trust him. You have to come to him and there was seasons in, in Art's journey where he was um, in those dark places and he was asking that question why me why me why me but then um, because of his love for Jesus that question changed for him instead of it was why me he started asking this question what do you want me to do with this man think of that Instead of this question of, why me? All of a sudden, he started asking a different question. Jesus, what do you want me to do with this? How can I use my suffering for your glory? He learned that God doesn't waste our pain. God doesn't waste our suffering. And so he says a different question. How can I use this? for your glory. And what he's noticed is he's owned it. He's owned this mission of investing in other people. And here's what he said, when I'm looking at other people and I begin serving other people and I begin focusing on their needs and I'm setting my eye on their needs, all of a sudden I begin to forget about my needs. 
I begin to forget about my hurts. I begin to forget about my situation. His experience could have taken him one way. But because the Spirit of God is at work in him, he's turned it into something else. He's using his shape for the kingdom of God. Now, there's another friend of mine, Brandon. Um, he's been in a wheelchair his whole life. He's here as well. He's my, he's my buddy right here. Um, he's been in a wheelchair his whole life. And so this was his experience. This is what he knew. He has a heart and passion for sports and, you know, loves the game and loves all these things, but has just come to terms with, you know, his limitations. And he said something that blew my mind. He said, listen, people look at my situation as a disability, but I see it as an ability to reach people that most people won't reach. Because here's what's happened. Art and Brandon have connected at Compassion. Um, they've, they've started a friendship and they have um, mutually begun challenging each other to, to reach a group of people who are often overlooked. So every time Art finds somebody um, in a wheelchair, he'll make it a point. I'm going to see them and I'm going to build them up in love. I'm going to care for them. Brandon, same way. When I see somebody who's sharing my experience, I'm going to step in here. I'm going to sit alongside them and fill them with hope because our experiences can take us to dark places. But through Jesus, they can be redeemed as we pour into and instill hope and life in other people. He uses our experiences. So even now, these guys are meeting with hurting people. They're meeting with um, these friends that they've made over the last several weeks, meeting for dinner and hearing their story and reminding them that the story is not over, reminding them that there is hope for them because they've walked through it. They've gone through this journey too. Man, think about that. What if we had that kind of mindset? That our experiences can be used by God for His glory. All of us have a shape. All of us have a purpose. And the purpose of our gifts is to build one another up in love. Let me say that again. Listen, your shape you can figure it out, but if you miss this last part, you miss everything. The purpose of our gifts is to build one another up in love. That's how this works. If you want to make a difference, you get to discover your shape, but in the context of love. Practiced in the context of love. That's how it's powerful. That's how it's beautiful. That's how it makes a difference. That's how it changes things. It's, it has to be done in the context of love. Every passage in the New Testament, all four of those passages I talked about, they talk about the spiritual gifts. Do you know what comes next? In every one of those passages, right around is a context or a, a discourse on love because the authors are saying, do not miss this. So 1 Corinthians 13 is not just talking about a wedding. It's talking about the family of God. It's talking about how the church operates as a family and a body. And I'm gonna read some of these passages for you. Here's what it says. It says, love is patient and kind. So you're gonna use your gifts um, in many ways. You know, some of you, 
You're, you're going to be incredible serving with our children's ministry. But you're going to be in there. You're going to be leading a Bible study. And these kids are going to be bouncing off the walls. And then you go, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Love is patient. I've got to remember that. Love is kind. Love does not envy or boast. This is our church, by the way. This is what we need to become. When we become a family held together by the bond of love and peace, this is what we look like. There is no envy in this house. We do not boast in this house. It is not arrogant. It is not rude. That's not us. We don't operate that way. The family of God is different. It is using its shape to love one another. It does not insist on its own way. That's a hard one. But that's who we are. We don't insist on things to be done our own way. We don't insist on me doing it. We don't do that. We bend over backwards so that people who don't know Jesus yet would meet him. We do whatever we can to introduce people who are far from God but as broken as we were, as hurting as we were, we go find them and in love we show them how good he is. We don't insist on our own way. We gave that up when we surrender to Jesus. We find ways to encounter people where they are. That's what this church does if we're going to make a difference. Love is not irritable or resentful. I think in another translation it says it, it holds no record of wrongs. It's the commitment that we're brothers, we're sisters. I'm not going to hold things against you. We operate out of forgiveness. We, don't, we, can't, we don't have time to hold these things against one another. It does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but it rejoices with the truth. Man, think of how refreshing truth is for us sometimes it's hard but think of the peace and confidence that comes by standing on truth not wondering what is true not wondering if it's going to work out not wondering man we get to rejoice in the truth and he wraps it up he says love bears all things it believes all things it hopes all things it endures all things. You see, when Paul was finishing up talking about these spiritual gifts, he's talking about, hey, each of you are a piece of the body working together. In your diversity, you're unified and you're focused and it's powerful. But he said, listen to me. He said, I will show you a still more excellent way. And he said, love is the most excellent way to make a difference. This is the way that we operate. And so, let's become the church that makes a difference. We're going to um, enter into a time of responding. And we're switching some things up a little bit, so um, you're going to have to bear with us as we shift things. But one of the things I, I realize is that when you hear the word and you spend time in worship, God is showing you that he's at work. He's showing you that he has something very specific for you. 
So now we respond to it. Now we step into an opportunity where we say, you know, you're leading me in this way. I'm going to respond. You're calling me to take a step. I'm going to respond to you. And so what we're going to do for the rest of the time together is we're going to respond. First off, we're going to take the Lord's Supper together, what we call communion. And we're going to invite the family to participate. This is not something that just happens to you. You respond. You're active. Walking with Christ, walking in the Spirit is an active thing. We take steps towards Him. And so I want to invite you, as we're singing these songs in a little bit, um, right after I'm done praying, you can come. Um, if you're unfamiliar with communion, you're still following, figuring out what following Jesus is like, no pressure here, okay? But for those of us who have said, I'm going to put my trust in Jesus, we take this every week to remember His sacrifice for us. So we always want to respond by saying, thank you and lead me. And so as we, the music's going to play in a little bit. Come, you'll take the Lord's Supper together. You can take it right there, or you can grab it, go back to your seat and pray. You can go stand in the back. You can do whatever you want to do as we enter into a time of response to what God is doing. So let me pray for us here. Let's stand together, and then we'll pray. Father, thank you so much for your grace. As we prepare to um, take communion together, we remember that you love us and you care for us and you are at work in our lives. We remember that you took on yourself the consequence of our sin. We did not earn it. We did not deserve it. Our only response is gratitude and trust. We are thankful and we're putting our life in your hands again. So, Father, bless this time as we respond to your goodness. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.